find within the book of Proverbs. But Hebrews chapter number nine tonight, go all the way down to verse 27. Look at a few verses tonight. We'll read them, we'll pray, and we'll be flipping through our Bibles a good bit tonight, amen. So hopefully you brought your sword drill fingers uh, and you can win to yourself, amen. Don't stand up and read it out loud, but you just, you beat the person next to you tonight, okay? And uh, you just look at them during the sermon and say, I beat you, all right? And uh, if husbands and wives, it causes conflict, well, it'll be worth it, amen. <laughs> but Hebrews chapter number nine, go all the way down to verse 27. If you're there, say amen. The Bible said, as is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for tonight. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the wonderful song service. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you love us the way that you do. We thank you for being so kind and compassionate. And Lord, even when we come with all our faults and failures, oh Lord, you're willing to still love us in spite of those and through those. But Lord, your love is so wonderful, God, it does not, your, your desire is for us not to stay there or to stay like that, but rather, Lord, to work in our hearts, to take your word, to make it real to us. And I pray, Lord, tonight as we begin this new year, this new study tonight on your coming, on your return, we thank you tonight, Lord, that you made a promise and you're gonna keep it. We look forward to that day. Lord, help it not to take us by surprise. Lord, help us to be prepared for it and to be ready for it and to be longing and, and living for it, Lord. It, Lord, we know that your return, the rapture of the church, Lord, is imminent. Lord, it is, can happen at any moment. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that when you do call us home, you do call us up, Lord, that we'd be ready to go. Lord, that we had done what you have called us to do. We ask you tonight that you hide behind the cross of Calvary. God, would you out of myself? Fill me with the Spirit of God. And Lord, make this what you desire it to be tonight, Lord. I pray, Lord, it would edify the saints, and Lord, it would encourage the brethren, and Lord, it would give us, remind us of the blessed hope that we have in Christ. Lord, we love you, we thank you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, and amen. And the first question I want to I preach on this subject tonight, why we must believe in the second coming of Christ. Why, it is not something tonight that has wiggle room, right? It is not something tonight that really I think you and I could disagree on uh, and, and, and still both be right tonight. There's no doubt there's certain things in our Bible that we could see from a different perspective tonight and from a different understanding and, and, and see it from different views and walks of life and still fellowship together and still get along. But there's certain things tonight that we must agree upon because simply there's no other way if you're expository studying the Bible and digging it line upon line and precept upon precept and interpreting scripture with scripture it's hard to see it any other way. It's hard, to, it's hard to justify any other means, just like we talked about this morning. There's only one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ, the finished work on Calvary, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our gospel is built upon that. Our gospel is, the gospel is that tonight, and there is no other gospel outside of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's certain things like that we're going to have to agree on because it's clearly what the Bible says. And tonight, when we begin the subject of the second coming of Christ, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, a lot of times, a lot of people take the route of speculation. 
right? They, they, they hop into the book of Revelation and they go through all the different seals and the vows and all the speculation that is going on and they speculate this. I don't know about you, but it seems like every time there's a new president, right, they could be the Antichrist, right? Barack Obama was in office. He's probably the Antichrist. And they'll go find some verses that very well could describe him and, or described him and said he could be the Antichrist and then he got out of office and then it was Donald Trump. And there were some that said he probably is the Antichrist. He's brought peace to the Middle East. Right, no doubt that's, a, that's an awesome feat uh, for that to be done in his day. But the reality is tonight that you and I know there is an Antichrist, but we don't know his identity. We don't know who he per se is in the flesh, right? We know he's described in the word of God. But here's what I found interesting tonight. Nobody, nobody that I know has even once mentioned that President Biden could be the Antichrist. Why, preacher? Because I think people look at him and say, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way that man could be the Antichrist. But when we begin to go down these avenues of speculation, no doubt they're interesting I would, I would not encourage you tonight to go home to pull up YouTube and type in the second coming of Christ because anybody and everybody has an opinion. And a matter of fact, you'll go on there and they'll try to tell you, well, there's a blood moon on October 23rd of 1975. And if you go 75 years from there and you add in the numbers six, seven, and three, you'll figure out who the Antichrist is. Right, and, and no doubt, in their mind, it's interesting. But I'd encourage you, I, I read a book at the end of last year, and it was by Dr. Lee Robertson. And it was called uh, Some Golden Daybreak. And it's 17 sermons that he preached on the second coming of Christ. But right there in the beginning of it, it's where he dedicates the book. And he dedicates a book to his daughter who passed away at the, year, at the age of nine weeks. I said that book was birthed out of a heartache. A trial. And what he was studying wasn't just something that was information and just interesting, but rather it was the blessed hope that he had that his child who had left this world, who was in eternity, that one day he was going to see her again. May I encourage you tonight as you study this or you begin to think about this, make sure you study it from trusted sources. Make sure you study it from people who have a, a, a knowledge of the word of God and not just a uh, 600 views on YouTube, but rather they have years of laboring in the word of God and years of study and years of, of, of service, right, without flaws and without, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not necessarily flaws because we all have those, but they have that, a clean record, so to speak. They have served God seriously. Get behind those and read behind them. But we're going to look at this tonight. So what do we mean when we say the second coming of Christ? Are we talking about the rapture of the church or are we talking about Christ's return to rule and reign for a thousand years, the millennial reign and those things that proceed after that? And tonight the reality is the answer is both, but they're not the same event. Right, they, they, they don't take place at the same time. We, we understand tonight when we look at, 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 at prophecy, when we look at the, what is to come tonight, we know the next thing on God's timetable is the rapture of the church. Right, well, the Bible teaches that. We know that tonight. Now, let me ask you, what signs have to come to be for the rapture to happen? Nothing. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. 
Right, we like to talk about, well, this season and that season and this war. There is nothing holding back Christ tonight except for the command from the Father to go get your bride. And when God the Father gives the command of God, what a day that's going to be. What a time that's going to be. But that meeting is not going to take place on earth in that sense. It's going to take place in the air. Right, the Bible said that the dead in Christ shall rise first and the, we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. Right, and then once the rapture happens, we know what takes place next. It's that the tribulation period. That seven-year tribulation, the man, the, the Antichrist will be made known. He'll step on the scene. He'll bring peace to the world. It is a false peace, but everybody's going to buy into it. Right, and for three and a half years, everything's going to be wonderful. Everything's going to be good. And that switch is going to flip, and the greatest tribulation known unto man is going to take place. Then after that time, the Lord himself, when we call it the second coming of Christ, we're referring to when God himself steps out of glory back onto planet earth and establishes his, his reign, his kingdom here on earth. And what a time that's going to be. Matter of fact, I was talking to Brother Josh right before the service. I said it's going to be like as if we were living back in the garden of Eden. That's where the Bible talks about the lion will lay down with the lamb and the young kids will pick up the adder and they will not be bitten and we won't have to worry about ferocious beasts and there will be true and real peace. For a thousand years, God's going to rule and reign here on earth and we are going to judge with him and serve with him and what a time that's going to be. And then we know the Bible says during the thousand years, Satan will be bound up in the the, the bottomless pit with chains, and then he's going to be loose for a little while. And at that time, he's going to come in, and he's going to gather up the armies of this world, and he's going to tell them one more lie. We can get God this time. Right? And then we're going to have the battle of Armageddon. And I know the movies make it seem like you and I are going to show up, and we're going to pull out our swords on our white horses, and we're going to go to chopping and slicing and slashing, and we're going to, someone said, whoa, preacher. <laughs> I don't know about all that. Right, and we're we're going we're gonna to help the Lord win the battle. The Bible said he will annihilate them with the word of his mouth. And we're going to stand back there and say, that's my God. That's my Savior. That's my Lord. And at the battle of Armageddon, we know the, that evil is going to be defeated and then we'll have the great white throne of judgment. The Bible said that death and hell will uh, release those that are there. They'll be judged before God Almighty and be found lacking and be found in, in want tonight. And it's an unfortunate reality, but we also know it is a true reality that those who died without the free gift of salvation, died without ever accepting Christ as their Savior, that's where they'll be found, and from that place they'll be cast into the lake of fire. And the Bible says that this earth that you and I live in will be destroyed with a fervent heat, but then there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and there shall we be forever with the Lord. And so tonight when we talk about the second coming of Christ, we talk about the return of the Lord. No doubt tonight I'm not going to beat somebody up. I'm not going you know, to put them in a choke slam or a, a power bomb. But when we talk about the second coming of the Lord, we're not talking about the rapture of the church. We are talking about when Christ himself steps out over into Israel and establishes his throne, the throne of David again. And he rules and reigns. And so tonight, when we, when we talk about this, the reality is this is something that you and I as believers must believe. This is, there, there's no wiggle room here, right? There's, this is, oh, I'll preach, I don't know about all that. Well, then get to know about it, amen? 
And that's kind of what the study's for tonight. We're going to get to know about it because it's something that reality, the more you understand about this, the more you realize that what is going to take place and what God is going to do, it doesn't make you scared. Here's the thing. A lot of times we talk about the book of Revelation. That's a scary book. Well, for the Christian, it isn't. It's a wonderful book. I mean, you go read Revelation chapter 21, how it ends, and go read about that throne and that crystal sea and the streets of pure gold, right? And how we'll be around the throne forever. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is found in the book of Revelation. And it said, the bride hath made herself ready. You realize for the first time in eternity, you and I, because we'll have a glorified body and a glorified mind and we have been changed into the likeness of Christ. We are like him in that time frame, in that place. It will be the first time in eternity that you and I, in ourselves, and our own ability in that sense, will be able to please the Father, be able to please the Son. The bride hath made herself ready. But we're going to see her tonight as we look into this. But the second coming of Christ is an essential doctrine that we must believe. Why? And here's the interesting, just like creation, just like the birth of Christ, just like the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan knows that he cannot stop it. He doesn't have the ability to do so. And so he says, if I can't stop it, I'll make people doubt it. I'll make people doubt it. We preached about it here during Christmas time. Right, there's a, we live in a generation and a society that there is a lack of belief concerning the creation of this world. Evolution is no longer a theory in the world that we, grow, that we live in now. It is the status quo. But we know tonight that the Bible said you and I were fearfully and wonderfully created by God. And not just us, but that everything that was made was made by him. And tonight, we're, it's one of those, I, I, I can't find any, I'm not, I'm not a gap theorist. Right? I'm not one that's, well, there's a thousand years between day one and day two. No, God said seven literal days. Well, preacher, it's impossible for somebody to create, create everything that we see in seven days. Well, thank God, I know the God that can do the impossible. Amen. Just like creation, just like the birth of Christ. We talked about it during Christmas time. She wasn't just a little lady. She wasn't just a, a young girl, but she was a virgin. I got a phone call after that message and uh, it was from uh, someone that was related to Miss Lola and he, he told me, he said, I've never heard it preached like that before. And I kind of paused. I, I didn't know what he was fixing to say after that. He said, but I left out that day knowing, he said, I've always heard it was a virgin. He said, I've always believed that. He said, but now I've got some concrete evidence. He said, God just sat down in my, he said, preacher, I want to let you know it didn't fall on deaf ears. I went home and rejoiced but that he was born of a virgin. And Jesus, or, or Satan couldn't stop that, so he tried to cause doubt on it. Well, she was just another Israelite woman. Or the resurrection. He couldn't stop it, so he's caused people to doubt. Oh, it was just a swoon. Jesus really wasn't dead. He was just knocked out. The Bible said he yielded up the ghost. He gave up his spirit. He died there on Calvary. He laid in the grave dead three days. Thank God for Sunday. How many glad Sunday came around, amen? Up from the grave, he arose. And so tonight, there's, there's certain things, I, I, if you disagree with me, I'm gonna be polite and kind and respectful and you're wrong. You're wrong. And here's the thing tonight, you, I have the ability to be wrong, but I steadfast in my heart that Lord, when it comes to these things, Lord, help me to be right. Because these things are life-changing. These things are eternal. Some Christians have even accepted his lies and no longer believe in the second coming of Christ. Not meant to be torn down. And it's interesting as we'll, we'll see here tonight. 
God doesn't give us this insight and this information about his return so we could tear each other down with it and build each other, instead we're to build each other up with it to encourage one another. Jesus is coming back. Boy, let's give him everything we got. Let's give him everything we have. Let's leave nothing on the field. My mom used to tell me growing up, if you came home with a dirty uniform, you didn't play hard enough. So I purpose in my heart as a Christian, Lord, <laughs> interesting prayer to pray. Lord, help me to play so hard my uniform gets dirty. And listen, let me give it everything that I've got, Lord. I don't want to leave anything on the field. I'm going to give you three reasons tonight why you and I must believe in the second coming of Christ. Why it's not something that if we believe everything else about the Bible, what it teaches, but we don't believe in the second coming of Christ, well, that's okay. No, we must believe it. Just as much as we believe he was dead three days and he rose again, just as much as we believe he was born of a virgin, just as much as we believe in seven, six days he created everything on the seventh day he rested, we must believe that Jesus is coming back. Why? Number one, if he doesn't come, the Bible isn't true. If Jesus doesn't return, the Bible isn't true. Take your Bibles, turn to John chapter number 17. John chapter number 17, go all the way down to verse 17. The Bible says, sanctify them through truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In essence, tonight, if this book is not true, if this book has one, even in the slightest form of an imperfection, of a, of, a, of, a, of a mess up, of, a, of, a, of a, a falsehood, it is not God's word. Because God is perfect tonight. And anything God produces is perfect. When God saved you, did you know he saved you perfectly? <laughs> you may not always feel like that, you may not always seem like that, but when God saved you, he saved you perfectly. He saved you as only God could save you. And tonight as we look at this reality, that if Christ doesn't come, Right, if the Lord doesn't return like he said he was, then our Bibles aren't true tonight. And why, preacher? Because if one part isn't true and one part is messed up, then it's not perfect anymore. And therefore, it's no longer the word of God. In almost, here's that, in almost every book of your Bible, do you know what's mentioned? The return of Christ. Through prophecy, there's a handful of books maybe that were not mentioned, but the majority of your Bible, the books of your Bible contain a reference to Christ's return to him setting up his reign, uh, his kingdom, and reigning for a thousand years and everything that takes, it's, it, we find it throughout the Bible, we find it in the book of Isaiah. You find it throughout the Old Testament, you find it in the minor and the major prophets. You find it in the book of Genesis. Uh-uh, preacher, I've never seen it in there. Go back to the Garden of Eden. He made a promise that one day, yes, you'll bruise the heel, but one will come who'll bruise your head. He was speaking to Satan and he was talking about his son, Jesus Christ. And so we see tonight that the Bible is full of uh, mentions and prophecy and foreshadowing of Christ's return. And so if Jesus doesn't come back, our Bible isn't true. And so to flippantly say, I don't believe in the second coming of Jesus is almost to say, I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe the Bible, but every word is true. So I have no problem believing that Jesus Christ is coming back. Why? His word said he is. And last time I checked, he's kept everything he's ever said. He's never made a promise and broke it. He has been more than faithful to what he said he was going to do. So number one, if he doesn't come back, the Bible isn't true. Notice number two, why must we believe in the second coming of Christ? 
Because if he doesn't come back, Jesus wasn't God. Take your Bibles, turn to John chapter number four. Excuse me, John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Go all the way down to verse number one. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus here is talking to his disciples. Go to verse number two. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Verse number three, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Here is God the Son promising unto his disciples and to me and you tonight that he is going to come back. This moment he is preparing a place for us. You ever just stop and think what that place is going to look like? How amazing it's going to be? I'll tell you what, preacher, when I get to heaven, if I get up there and I don't have a view of the sea and the walls of gold, I'm going to be upset. No, you're not. Matter of fact, we, we talk a big game, right? I'm going I'm to I'm live in my mansion. I'm going to decorate that thing up. Boy, I'm telling you what, we're going to have a party. My, no, we're going to be around the throne, <laughs> praising God and for all of eternity. Uh, here's the thing tonight. We in our finite minds can't, 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 can't grasp that, right? Because, boy, I've been in some long church services. There's been some I thought they were too long. <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Man, this is going on and going on. But there's been some, man, we've been in, you know, in church and prayer and praying and preaching. I'm talking about three to four hours, and it, was, it wasn't enough. Oh, why'd they stop that? Man, somebody else get there and preach. Come on, let's go. I'm enjoying it. We can't wrap our minds around eternity. We can't wrap our minds of ever getting tired or not ever getting tired of just simply telling God, thank you. And blessing his holy name. But here's the thing, if he doesn't come back, then Jesus wasn't God. Why? He made a promise. I will come again. And if Jesus said that, knew, knowing that he wasn't coming back, that'd make him a liar. And God said, I cannot lie. And so tonight, if, there was, if Jesus didn't come back, then he's a liar, and therefore he's not God. But thankfully tonight, he's coming back. God's not a liar. He cannot lie. He's not willing to lie. He doesn't want to lie. He doesn't desire to lie. He's never once thought about lying. He can't do it. And so when he said, I will come again, he wasn't just telling his disciples. He said, I'll receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. He said, I'm coming to take you to the place where I'm preparing. I'm coming again and live with that excitement behind you. If he doesn't come, Jesus was not God. If he doesn't, then he would be a liar, but he's not a liar. Thankfully tonight, he's God, and he's coming back again. Notice number one, if he doesn't come, the Bible isn't true. Notice number two, if he doesn't come, Jesus was not God. Then notice number three this evening, this is by way of introduction as we look at this, begin this series, if he doesn't come, our hope is crushed. If Jesus doesn't come again, our hope is crushed. Take your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter number four. 1 Thessalonians chapter number four, this is a, this is a portion of scripture that I always read at a graveside. I always read as I read this in the 23rd Psalm. But I was preparing this and I thought, man, why, did I, why do I cut it out at verse number 18? Because you read into verse chapter number five, you got to remind ourselves that the chapters and your verses were added in later so you and I could have a reference point to start because it's a whole lot easier to say, turn your Bibles to the First Thessalonians chapter number four, verse number 13, instead of saying, turn your Bibles into the 376th word in the book of Thessalonians. 
but one, two. But tonight, look at verse number 13. Paul is writing here to the church at Thessalonica. He says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Now, if Jesus doesn't come back, we have no hope. But if he is coming back tonight, and we know that he is, and you and I have hope. And it's not a while I hope he comes back. I know he's coming back, and therefore my hope is satisfied. Look at verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep or are dead in Jesus will God bring with him. How many glad tonight the grave ain't gonna hold nobody down? Oh, Pentecostal, ain't no grave gonna hold me down. One preacher said all those that have died in Christ, they get a head start. How, how big of a head start? About six foot. God's gonna open up. What, what a sight that's gonna be. Now, not everybody's gonna see it. But those of us that are saved by the grace of God in the twinkling of an eye will be reunited with those who've gone on before us. I can't wrap my mind around it, but I sure am excited about it. Now, here's the thing. You say, well, preacher, that's wonderful for us, but what about everybody else? The world's already preparing. The Antichrist, whether he's here or not, we don't know for sure. He very well could be here tonight getting things together, preparing, allowing Satan to come in to use him. Right? And it's the moment you and I disappear and we're gone, oh, they've already got stories ready. It's not by accident that the Catholic, the, the, the Catholic Church underneath the Pope said, you know what, we, we think aliens are real. There might be aliens out there. <laughs> we're going to be beamed up out of here. And they're going to be like, aliens took them. And some are like, well, I knew Brother Tate. He was a little strange. <laughs> it might have been an alien. But really, the reality is there's already a great delusion, an illusion being prepared for those that are left behind to believe and to fall into. But thankfully tonight, when Jesus raptures us out of here, I know where I'm going tonight. So Paul was saying, hey, hey, even those that are dead in Christ, those that died having received the great gift of salvation, he said, don't worry. God is going to be able to raise them up as well. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that, which we, that we which are alive and remain of the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them in the... Well, see, preacher, you know that word rapture is not in my Bible. What the word caught up is. And God's gonna catch us up, a great catching away. Is what some of the old timers used to call it. Come together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Imagine in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, you and I are going to almost forget what it is to, to live by faith and to have to agonize in prayer and to strive and to fight and to, and to fail, because in that moment we will be with him forever. Verse 18, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. A lot of men will take what is going to take place after the rapture and try their best to scare somebody into salvation, make it an emotional response. No doubt those things that take place after the rapture, matter of fact, the Bible said it'll be a tribulation like man has never known. And this world's never seen. But our, my goal and my objective tonight is not to scare somebody into the gospel. My objective tonight is to introduce people to a, a Savior who loves them and died for them and made a way for them so they don't have to experience that. And so normally I stop right there in verse, wherefore comfort one another 
Boy, that's some comforting words at a funeral. That person laying in the casket was a, a, had a solid testimony of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The most comforting words I can look at somebody and say, listen, if you're saved, you will see them again. But then I read chapter 5, verse number 1. The Bible said, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. As travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. That that day should overtake you as a thief. You are children of light in the children of the day. You are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. In essence, let's not go into retirement. Let's not lay down somewhere. We aren't like everybody else, but rather we are, in essence, our eyes are to the sky saying today could be the moment tonight could be the night that Jesus calls us home and if we really believe that it'll change how we live because I say verse number seven for they that sleep sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night but let us be who are of the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation for God hath not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ well, preacher, when is Jesus going to rapture us out? Is it going to be before the tribulation? Is it going to be after the tribulation? Or is it going to be right in the middle of it? Right, you're, there's pre-trib, post-trib, or a-trib. Some are right in the middle of the tribulation. The Bible says right before. And I think if you're, well, preacher, I'm post-trib. I think you're reading your Bible wrong. Preacher, I'm mid-trib. I think you're, 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 interpret you're missing something somewhere. I think it's clear tonight. I think there's enough biblical example. There's enough biblical evidence for us to not just, not just well, I, this is what I think, but to say this is what God's word says, that you and I will be raptured. At, we're not appointed to wrath. Enoch was translated. He was not. And then God sent a flood. Oh, there's wonderful pictures all throughout our Bible. And God even says it through the apostle Paul. You're not appointed unto wrath. We're not going to experience that. But tonight, we've got to realize tonight, if Jesus doesn't come, our hope is crushed. And while I was preaching that just a few minutes ago, something in you probably said, man, I can't wait for that. What a day that's going to be. What a moment when Jesus raptures us out, and then he comes back, and we get a rule and reign with him. What a time that's going to be. You know why that feels so good? Or you know why that, that excites you? Because you know you have hope. But if Jesus said, I'm not coming back, we have no hope tonight. I'm thankful tonight that we have hope. Well, preacher, you're just going off a supposition. You're supposing that Jesus is going to come back. I was talking with my wife. Because there's certain things when it comes to preaching. Like, I know what I'm trying to say. But I have a hard time getting it out. I was reading over there in Revelation chapter number one. Matter of fact, turn your Bible to Revelation chapter number one. We know God is not bound by time. He is not operating on a 24-hour clock like you and I are. He's above time. He's greater than time. He created time. And so tonight as we read the book of Revelation, we know it is something that is going to happen on the time scale. Right? We know that this, this, the rapture of the church, the tribulation, the millennial reign of Christ, the battle of Armageddon, the great white throne of judgment, these things are going to take place. That they are, they are, they are 
in, in our time, we, you and I operate by time, right? We are controlled by time in a sense. I can't go back to yesterday, no matter how hard I try. And I can't go into the future in a physical sense. I can't step out of Sunday night into, into Monday morning. I have to wait for Monday morning to get here. And so tonight, we got to realize, you and I operate, but, but God does not. And you go to Revelation chapter 1, the Bible says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show us to his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant, John, who bear record of the word of God, of the testimony of Jesus Christ, and of all things that he saw. You gotta, he saw. John was seeing something as it was taking place. Hey, y'all got to hold on. I'm going to try my best not to make your head explode tonight. We are waiting for something to happen that's already happened. <laughs> Time just ain't caught up with it. See, that's hard to explain. But God in his foreknowledge and God in his sovereignty, if he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever, and he knows from eternity past, and he knows from eternity future, in the eyes of God, it's already happened. In the eyes of God, he's already returned. Now, I'm not saying he's returned tonight in that sense. But in the scope of eternity, when we read the book of Revelation, we read it as something we are looking forward to. God reads it from the perspective of it's happened. We've won the victory. That's why the Bible said we're already seated in heavenly places. We're already there tonight. And so, preacher, that blows my mind. Mine too. Let's go home tonight with our minds blown at the God that we serve. He called me and asked me questions and we might, we might find an answer. But John said, I, I've all, I saw it. the things that I've seen. But then he said, I saw Blessed is he that readeth and to hear these words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. You go all the way down to verse number 19 tonight. The Bible said, write these things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. And so tonight we realize tonight, we don't have to wonder, is Jesus coming back? When we look from it outside of our the, 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 the diaphragm, the, the, the thing of time. We, we look outside of it as outside the realm of time that governs you and I tonight. And we look at it from the eyes of God. God saying, listen, I'm coming back. It's a completed work. I've already won the victory tonight. We already know what's going to happen to Satan. We already know all that's going to take place tonight. Why? Because in the eyes of eternity, in the eyes of God tonight, it has. We're just waiting for time to catch up with it. And so I'm thankful tonight. I don't have to say, well, Let's, let's come together and pray tonight and just let's pray real hard for Jesus not to change his mind. Jesus is coming back. The Lord's returning tonight. Could be tonight. But we know he's coming. He's coming back for you and I. He's going to snatch us up out of here. Nobody else in this world is allowed to snatch me up, but Jesus can. And then we know once we're out of here, tribulation will begin into that seven years, Christ will step into this planet again, step on this earth, establish that millennial reign, that wonderful kingdom. We'll reign with him. And here's the blessed part. Once, once we're raptured out of here, we're always going to be with him. How many glad tonight he's coming back?
How many glad tonight you, you believe it so much you know the Bible's true? You know God's not a liar. And you have hope tonight. Because 